0: It's good to be here my name is wayne i'm one of the pastors here at life changes church and uh, yeah i'm just really privileged this evening to share a word with you we've been uh, we started off with a new series called uh well the book of, in the book of ruth called uh, when a ruthless love meets a ruthless world and it's uh, been an absolute incredible privilege just to hear the preachers that have been coming forward last week michael and and mark preached incredible words and uh yeah, it stirred me. It stirred me. This week we prepared for another new sermon, myself and Gabe, and so I'm going to share that with you uh, in a bit. But uh, just a little bit about myself. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Jim. We've been married for 13 years. I've got two boys, Lee and uh, Zachary, and Zachary's with the kids' ministry at the moment, and uh, I hope it all goes well there. Um, he's quite a busy chap. So you know, so it's great to be here, and uh, yeah, this evening we're gonna kick off with uh, a new series. And before I even announce what it's called, I want to just do a little recap as to what happened last week, what we preached about, and what the book of Ruth opens up with. It is this man called Elimelech and his wife Naomi and his two sons, Mahlon and Killian, who then travels. From the house of bread, which is Bethlehem, that's what it was known as, to a place called Moab. And Moab, and if you don't know, and you read through Deuteronomy, they've been enemies of the Israelites for many and many centuries. And uh, here we are, we find a man whose name is Elimelech, which means my God is king, finding himself in the land of famine, and he packs up and he moves to a land or place which was then the place of plenty, as every one of us would do at a time, or maybe some of us would do at a time of famine. We try and find greener pastures, So we don't want to blame anyone at this stage because you know, it's been COVID-19 and some of us had to make decisions. Some of us stayed and some of us left. And that's how it goes because we want to care for our family. So Elimelech decides to leave the land of Israel, in a, in a place called Bethel in Judah, and he travels all the way to Moab. And if you know anything, if you read Psalm 108 verse 9, God calls Moab His washpot. That's what Moab has been known to for God uh, by God. And the reason for that is because Moab, Moab, the Moabites were birthed out of incest. Abram's brother then sent to his daughter, and out of that, a nation is birthed called the Moabites. And so God. Has got it against them and uh, he calls them his washpot and he then restricts the Israelites to mix with the Moabites in fact he he demands that they don't get married to the Moabites up until the tenth generation but as we read this this happened in the seventh generation as they moved and so as Mark mentioned last week there are five things that we look at in this book of Ruth it is called is anarchy there is famine bad decisions death Central depravity, and this is what this book is all about. So please bear with me, and uh, I really just want to share something with you this evening that I believe is touching each and every one of us um, as we uh, journey through this book of Ruth. And it's a, it's a thing that sometimes causes divorce. It's something called uh, that causes wars sometimes. Big things. And in this book of Ruth, we're going to touch on that one word. And I'm going to read from Ruth 1, to 22. Ruth finds herself, um, Naomi finds herself making a decision, having to move back to the house of bread, which is Bethlehem. They've heard in Moab that God had blessed Bethlehem. And so she decides to pack up and leave and tells her two daughters-in-law, why don't you stay here? Because you cannot go with me. I'm leaving. I'm going back. And uh, the one daughter-in-law Orpah says, okay, fine, she's going to stay because she knows where she's at and she knows her country. The other one, who is Ruth, says, no, I'm going to go with you. And what a beautiful scripture if we read through that first chapter, what Ruth tells her she's going to do. And off they went and they end up coming into Bethlehem. And I'm picking it up from there, from Ruth 1, 19 to 22. So if you can turn there with your Bibles, you can do that on your phone, you can do that just so you know that this is real scripture. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. It is uh, a big thing if you read through these three passages or three verses. And uh, the one thing that we pick up there is Naomi saying, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. And this evening... We want to talk about that thing called bitterness, and I want to address you this evening and I know that through bitterness, wars were started, families have broken up, you know, there's that WhatsApp group that you find if someone says something wrong, uh, he's out, you just expel him from the group, you know, one moment there, the next moment gone, or he just leaves because he was offended, and so bitterness can come in many forms, it could be offense, unforgiveness is a cause of bitterness. And so we find ourselves in this, this moment. It's not. It's a timeless thing. Bitterness is a timeless thing. It wasn't just something that happened back then. It's something that was carried along through the, through the ages, from generation to generation. So bitterness will always be there. The question is, how do we deal with it? The first thing Mara said, uh, Naomi says is, Don't call me Naomi, which meant pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And I want to remind us again this evening that sometimes our decisions determine our destiny. We make decisions sometimes that, you know, you you don't look back, but you realize that you've ended in a place that you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have, but you've made that decision. You are there. And then you have to come back. This, This decision is not just about going where God is not, but it's always to come back to the house of bread, never to stay where you are. Here is a woman who felt bitter because of what happened to her. Now, spare a for Naomi. She followed her husband. And in those days, you follow your husband. If your husband packs up, you go with him. And so she leaves with him, but she comes back empty, meaning she's got no husband Elimelech dies and her two sons and she's left with Ruth at the end of it. And today the question is what has made you bitter? Maybe you've got bitterness inside of you. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe someone has said hurtful things to you. Maybe things happened to you when you were younger and you don't want to talk about it but you're living with it and you almost have this have that you keep with you. This is what they say about bitterness, and if you read in Hebrews you'll see it, it says this bitterness will affect you physically, emotionally and spiritually because the fruit of bitterness is an acid that destroys its container. When your heart is bitter, God will not be real to you. Why? Because hatefulness and holiness cannot dwell together. Hatefulness and holiness cannot dwell together. In the same heart and without holiness you cannot see God. So bitterness has a seed. It has a seed. It's planted there. Someone said something to you. Someone did something to you. Maybe there was divorce in the family and it's left you bitter. The seed is what happened to you, but bitterness is the root is in your heart. And this evening, we want to deal with that. We want to deal with what the fruit of bitterness looks like. And tonight, I'm going to just highlight two points to you the one is the pain of bitterness, and the other one, the power over bitterness. I can't just leave you with the pain and not give you the power this evening. I believe there's victory this evening. As you're sitting here this evening, maybe you're dealing with bitterness in your heart. I trust that God is going to move powerfully in your hearts this evening. That you don't leave here the same, but you leave your changed with hope in your heart. And know that God is a restorer and he's a redeemer. That's what I want to leave you with tonight. Number one, it causes an identity crisis. Look what Naomi says. Don't call me Naomi. She responded, instead call me Mara. You know, bitterness at times makes us forget who we are and whose we are. Bitterness is an ugly thing that is deeply rooted. That every decision we make is actually around the bitterness that's in our heart. And we make decisions like who we're going to love. We make decisions like who we're going to be friends with. We make decisions like where we're going to live. And we just don't understand that it could be root of bitterness in our hearts. I want to tell you that Jesus didn't suffer this identity crisis. He didn't. In fact, God, when Jesus came out of the water, said, this is my son, whom I love and whom I well pleased with. A great statement, if we understand what that statement means. And i just want to say to you this this evening identity is a big thing in the life of the church identity determines where you go identity determines who you are first and foremost you understand who you are and whose you are and the decisions we make out of that there is power when we understand who we are and whose we are this is my son whom i love in whom i am well pleased This is my son, identity, whom I love, affection, and whom I'm well pleased with, affirmation. We struggle sometimes because we don't understand that God loves us, He's affectionate towards us, and He's already affirmed us. Naomi didn't understand that. She came back thinking God has given her the short stick, and she's now suffering because of what He has done to her sometimes we go through an identity crisis just because we don't understand that you are the son whom God loves and whom he is well pleased with you are the daughter whom he loves and whom he is well pleased with I want to tell you is the statement when someone speaks to me and uh, at least when they speak to me, there's this question that they're asking, and they leave it halfway. And I, hate it. I hate it. I hate it, I hate it. They come to me and say, Hey, Wayne, did you know? And then they continue with something else. I'm like, No, what? Tell me what. No, did you know? And then I had a friend who did that all the time when I worked at All Mutual. And he would come to me and say, Wayne, did you know? And he deliberately would walk away. He would walk away, leave me hanging. And so I follow him every week. I was like, Come on, finish your sentence. What? Did I know what? Is it something that I need to know? And it would leave me hanging right there. Why did you know? And this evening, I want to tell you, I want to ask that question this evening. Mara, did you know? Perhaps you're bitter this evening. But I want to ask that question of you this evening. Mara, did you know? It causes spiritual. Blindness. Let me read that to you. It becomes so bad that we cannot see God's provision. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Now if you read that in context and if you understand that statement, you will know that Mar was in Moab at the time. And at the time when she was in Moab, she heard that God had blessed Israel. God had blessed Israel. So she packs up and she leaves to go towards the house of bread. God is faithful. doesn't matter where you are what you're going through. Right now, COVID has struck us. And we want to up and go. But if God says, stay, I'm going to provide. This is the house of bread. Then God will provide. She's in Moab. In Moab, the word comes that God has blessed Jerusalem. Israel. And she packs up and she goes back yet when she comes back she says i went away full you went away full think about that for a second and you came home empty it's like being in church you know we say it's like a, a spiritual backsliding picture that you want to paint you're in the life of the church everything is great but then you get lured away are the things of the world we see things in the physical we fail to see things in the spiritual and we think it's better out there so we go out and we have fun we go out and we do what we are called to do we think that it's better out there so you leave your full because the spirit of god is with you and in you you leave your fall, but you find yourself in a world where you think you're enjoying yourself and you're finding fullness to the point Where you suffer a pain, heartache, loss. That's what the world offers you. We're living in a broken world. We're living in a broken world. To me, the church is the house of bread. This is the house of bread. And so many times we go out full. We come back to church empty. But here's the beautiful thing. God is a redeemer. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's always been with you. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. He's a redeemer and he's a restorer. No matter your circumstance or your situation or the decisions that you've made, God is still with you. He's not scared of those decisions. But you know, when we're spiritually blind, we cannot see the blessing. We cannot see the blessing. We are so spiritually blind sometimes that we. Mar, Naomi says this, that she's left full, but she came back empty. She forgets what, he, what she came back to. A house that was blessed. God had just blessed Bethlehem, the house of bread. She still makes the statement, I came back empty. Yes, we can say that she lost the husband. Yes, we can say that she lost two sons. But there was a lady that came back with her. Her name was Ruth. Farzal Malik is an author of a book called The Destiny of Islam in the End Times. He puts it this way. Sometimes we are in such spiritual thirst that it causes spiritual blindness that we cannot see the spiritual well. I'll repeat that. Sometimes we are in such spiritual thirst that it causes spiritual blindness that we cannot see the spiritual well. Jesus is that, well, that never runs dry. I had a guy here that I ministered to a a few years ago, and just chatting to him, and I thought, um, you know, he was going through some tough times, he was looking for a job, and uh, just ministering and and sitting with him, and I said, hey, tell me how many interviews you've gone for, and he says, many, many ways. I've gone for many interviews. I said, well, that's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, at least you've gone for an interview. I said, well, that's a good start. He says, no, I don't think so. I think um, every time I go for this interview and I come there, all goes well. And then I don't get the job and I just don't understand it. And he says this to me. He says, it feels like God is dangling a carrot in front of me. Just for me to go for it and then he pulls it away. I thought, wow. Wow. Who's your God, sir? Which God are you serving? I said to my friend, that is, I feel so sad inside because that's not the God that I serve. He doesn't dangle a carrot to me. He doesn't give me a carrot to start with. I have a kingdom that God has laid for me as a son and a daughter. And he says, just for God to take it away from me. How sad could that be? If only you knew who your God was. It causes us to blame. Bitterness causes us to blame. But the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? The Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. Bitterness chokes the joy and freedom God has given you. It chokes the joy and freedom that God has given you. We end up blaming everyone around us. You know, I've never met a man who wanted to, to divorce his wife say, You know what, I'm divorcing her because I just feel sorry for her. Never. Bitterness ends up blaming. We never look at ourselves. We're always looking at others and what they are doing. We can never say, well, I need to go and reflect and see what is happening in my heart. It's always everything around us. The friend, the family member, the church, the pastor that didn't meet with you. We start blaming everything around us, but we fail to look inside of us. This is what psychology today says, and I thought, oh, let me just go and check it out, just in case we have a psychologist here, but I don't talk nonsense. Bitter individuals often operate from a blaming and non empathetic persp- perspective. Sorry, that's just, this is psychology. In their personal professional relationships, better men and women often blame others when things go wrong or when things do not work out as they wanted or expected. That's the psychologist. That's me. It is a trauma that stains. But it's also a trauma that stains. It stains relationships. Because we are blaming. It really serves as a blockage to reconciliation. Because our hearts have been tarnished. That's what bitterness does. We start blaming everyone besides ourselves. You know, the story of Hitler World War II, a man that rose up because of bitterness. World War II was probably one of the most gruesome wars ever on the planet of the earth. But it was caused by a white man and his belief system. He had bitterness in his heart towards a Jewish nation of whom he thought he could get rid of at the time. So much so that he went out to have war with the whole of the world because of bitterness that was deep in his heart. Bitterness can destroy nations, but if it can destroy nations, it surely can destroy families. But we don't want to leave it there, do we? We don't want to leave, this is just about what bitterness does the cause and effect of bitterness in our hearts. But I'm not going to leave you there this evening. Tonight I'm giving you the power over bitterness. Surely you would want to handle I don't know where you are at at this stage, so oh man. I don't know what you are going through. Maybe there are things in your heart, that's decisions that you have to make. When I knew that I was going to preach about bitterness, this whole week I had to consider Where I was. This is not just me telling you what witnesses. This was me having to dig deep in my heart. And make sure that I'm in the right place. And there were things that I had to confess in my heart. To make sure that I'm right. Right with God. And ensure that He's the one taking control. And not me. Hebrews 12 says this from verse 1 to 3. Therefore since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses. heart wow it says this let us run with perseverance fixing our eyes on jesus not on ourselves on jesus and then it says consider him who endured such opposition from sins jesus has accomplished it all if there was one man Who had to be or could have been bitter? It was Jesus, an innocent man who took the cross, walked to the hill, and got nailed to that cross. An innocent man that took our shame and even our bitterness upon himself. It should have been Jesus. But it says, for the joy set before him, Jesus didn't even get bitter. But he became bitter. He became a thief, a liar. All the sin that we have, Jesus became. And yet, it was for the joy set before him. Zero bitterness in our Savior Jesus Christ. Now you're asking, Wayne, how do we do this? how can i walk in freedom how can i rid of this bitterness inside of me number one very easily make a decision make a decision tonight not tomorrow make a decision tonight to drop bitterness in faith this is what romans 12 verse 1 says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what's god's will uh, what god's will is is good pleasing and perfect for your life be determined number two to remove bitterness god is with you hebrews 12 14 and 15 says this make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to you that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no one, no bitter root, there it is, no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. And number three, declare God over your situation. Declare God over your situation. Colossians 2, 6 says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. In Him alone can you overcome bitterness. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says this, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Christ lives in you. And for that reason we've overcome. For that reason we can walk free. For that reason we don't have to harbor bitterness. Jesus has cast all your worries and anxieties upon me. All your burdens, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast it upon him. Do not walk with it. Do not let it get you down. Do not carry it with you. Cast it before before him. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Cast all your burdens, bitterness. Cast it upon Jesus. Let him carry it. He's the one who died on that cross. If you cannot get rid of your bitterness then it means you don't see the cross for the power that it has the crucifixion of Jesus then doesn't display its power to you because you just don't trust that your bitterness can be uprooted but this evening I want to tell you that God is our redeemer He's the redeemer of Naomi. He's the redeemer of Israel. But then he becomes the redeemer of the world. If we read that scripture, from 14 to 15 it says, The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in all your age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. God redeems and he restores. And the beautiful part about this scripture is that this is to Naomi. One would think that it's Ruth that the Bible would speak about right. But it rather speaks about a daughter-in-law to Naomi that God has restored and redeemed. What a beautiful picture of a woman who blamed God, left the house of bread, came back empty, received the blessing that God has given her, then he restores her. And as we know, Boaz becomes the husband of Ruth. Gives birth to Obed. Obed gives birth to Jesse. And Jesse is the father of David. And our Savior Jesus Christ is born in the line of David. God is not scared of our circumstances, He is not scared of the decisions we make. He's a restorer, He's a redeemer. This evening I want to tell you that God is a ruthless redeemer. We have hope in this world because of what God has done for us. This book is about the sovereignty of God. He's sustaining mercy on Naomi and Israel, which starts with famine, death, and the loss, but ends in redemption. God is our sovereign redeemer, and he loves us.